just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. Today's conversation promises to be very interesting, very informative, and very, very important. I'm wondering what the future of this discussion today is. I, I There's a lot of conversation around sustainability, but I worry that we're not making the progress that we really need to. And I have a feeling today's guest will shed some light on that and where we're going with this. Uh, say hello to my guest. His name is Wayne Visser. He's the director of Kaleidoscope Futures and the author of a new book called Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership, and Innovation. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Uh, the pleasure's mine. Thanks for carving out time to join me. I know you're very busy, Wayne. Uh, before we get into a conversation around the book and sustainability, take a few quick seconds and inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Sure. Well, most of my life has been spent in business and in academia. So as a strategy analyst first uh, for Capgemini, and then I set up and ran KPMG's sustainability services. And now I have various academic appointments at Cambridge University and elsewhere, as well as running my own think tank, Kaleidoscope Futures. All right. Well, this isn't the first book about corporate social responsibility and its importance. Let me ask you this question. I generally ask this variation of a question to every author who's written a new book on what may be a popular subject, but did the world need another book on corporate social responsibility? And I believe so, because I think we have work to do there. Why did you have to write this one? Well, I think that it was the conclusion of my 25 years working on this issue and to share some of my frustration as well as some of my experience, suggesting that although we've been grappling with sustainability since the 1980s, with uh, social responsibility even longer, I'm worried that, you know, although we're doing more than ever before, and though companies can claim more than ever before, in fact, many of the problems that we face are getting worse, not better. If you look at the trends, whether it be climate change, uh, gap between rich and poor, inequality, corruption, loss of biodiversity, all of these are headed in the wrong direction. And so the book is trying to really dig into why are we failing on this agenda? And that's why it's a book about change, because change is hard. And we've learned about what's worked and what's hasn't. And there are some great innovations coming through, which I think hold some hope for the future. Why are we failing, Wayne? I mean, I worry, no surprise to you, I've interviewed an awful lot of companies over the last several years through all the radio that I do. And, and a lot of companies, a lot of organizations talk a good game about sustainability and talk about it proudly on all their marketing materials, right? I mean, I worry that you're out of the conversation if you're not talking about and promoting sustainability. And I worry that it's it's done more because it looks good on the brochure than a true core belief and driving principle of an organization. Am I off base on that? 
Well, what I've seen among companies, and I've had the good fortune to travel now to more than 70 countries and look at what companies are doing, is that we have the full spectrum of maturity from those that see this very defensively as risk management through to those that see it only as charity or philanthropy, some who believe it's all about marketing and PR, some that are linking it more to their strategy. All of these, I feel, fall short of a transformational approach to this issue. And I guess that's the reason I would say that we're struggling is because we are talking about the next industrial revolution. We are talking about reinventing capitalism. So no wonder it's hard because we're talking about uh, changing a system on which we are all dependent. And of course, there are lots of vested interests, including the incumbent companies. And so that's one of the reasons why it's hard and why perhaps we haven't seen as much progress as we might have liked. Well, I'm going to ask the question. I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how you respond to this. You highlighted a couple of serious problems, the climate issue, uh, income disparity between rich and poor, and there's many others, obviously. We're well aware of these problems. We've been talking about them. We've been studying them for a long, long time. But as you said, the problems are trending in the wrong direction. Can we do this? Is this even something that's possible? Yeah, I like to use the example of climate change. Uh, Sometimes I ask my students, you know, when did we become aware of this problem? And many don't know that the greenhouse effect, greenhouse gases were uh, first identified in 1896. So we're 120 years later, and we are still struggling. And we've got the Paris meeting in December this year, where we hope to get a global deal. But I do think it's possible. One of the reasons I'm optimistic or hopeful is that I've been fortunate to live through the South African transition. My strange accent is South African, and I saw that change to democracy. I I lived through that. And so what I'm aware of is the way the change happens. We sometimes call it tipping point change, that Mm. initially in any kind of change, there's massive resistance. But at some point when there is a core that has changed, then the whole system tips. And when it does, it's very rapid. So I start to see that in some areas. Uh, If we look at uh, the rise of clean technology and and renewables, for example, that's one area I think we're, we're rapidly getting to a tipping point. So I do think we can do this. We're a very ingenious and inventive species. But in the meantime, it's going to be a rough ride. And uh, some are going to be winners and some are going to be losers. I worry that perceived driving force behind this movement seems to be coming from our politics. And I fear that the politicizing this is making this a a conservative versus a liberal issue, which, as we know, (laughs) most of our politics around the globe can often paralyze any effort, any progress here. Is that, in fact, a real problem? Because I believe that your book is a call to action that business can be and should be the main driver here, yes? Yes. Well, what I've learned in trying to make change happen over the last 20 years or so is that, in fact, governments are laggards, not leaders. And the same is is true of customers, in fact. And so when we have seen change, it's normally the innovative businesses that go out front and go ahead, the pioneers of change, 
usually supported or challenged by the civil society, by the NGOs, the charities who were really pushing the edge. And so I think what's happening with the politics, which is always difficult, is that they're playing catch up. And, you know, there are lots of seeming trade-offs and conflicts in getting to agreements on these things, but that's the nature of politics and it takes a long time. We sometimes have a strange discussion now about whether, you know, sustainability and democracy are actually good bedfellows because Mm. one of the things with democracy is that it's very slow and it can take a long time to get that consensus and to get change, whereas some of the issues we face need really rapid response. And um, China is an example where we've seen, obviously, a, a different style of governance and very rapid response on some of these issues. You've talked about the that there are several myths when people think about and talk about sustainability. What are those and, and why are they myths? Well, there are many. I mean, one is that it's a, a trade-off between, for example, sustainability and jobs or environment and development. There's a myth that sustainability is just about green issues, uh, when in fact it really is a holistic concept. I think there's a myth that it's about all about sacrifice and about, you know, somehow going back to the dark ages, wearing sandals and eating muesli. (laughs) You know, I I think that uh, there are a lot of preconceptions people have. And really, what we need to get to is a conversation that. It's just about talking about how we create a better future. And that's why one of the chapters in the book is, is just called Future Fitness is one of the eight keys to unlocking change because, you know, this is just about how we create a better future for all of us. The problem is that not everybody is convinced that sustainability is the pathway to that better future. All right. Well, we're going to get into those eight keys to unlocking transformational change after this break. Wayne Visser and I will return. We'll be right back. People know leadership and creating a culture are critical factors for a successful organization. Not every executive can bring these factors to life. Dr. Rebecca Staten Reinstein, president of Advantage Leadership, works with companies from around the world who want to engage employees and delight customers to guarantee bottom line success. She has already documented the winning formula for strategic leadership in Success Planning, a how-to guide for strategic planning and conventional wisdom, how today's leaders plan, perform, and progress like the founding fathers. To learn more, visit AdvantageLeadership.com. That's AdvantageLeadership.com. All right. I'm back with Wayne Visser, the director of Kaleidoscope Futures and the author of a new book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership, and Innovation. So let's get into these eight keys to unlocking transformational change, leadership, enterprise, innovation, transparency, engagement, responsibility, integration, and future fitness. So let's get into and talk about some of these. Wayne, there's a lot of leaders out there that are that we and you would consider the forefront of this movement. But as you also said, the movement's not going in the right direction. What needs to change with the leadership side of this thing to turn the corner? One of the things is to realize that there is a new generation of leaders coming through. I teach a lot of MBAs, for example, and I see a different perspective than the incumbents. In fact, there was some research done by Cranfield University just a 
last year that asked the question of current and future leaders, um, should business have a social purpose? And sometimes we debate this and say, no, business is just about profits and money and shareholders. But in fact, 88 and 90% respectively of uh, current and future leaders agreed that business does have a social purpose in addition to the economic purpose. But the really revealing thing of the research was that there's a huge generational gap. So whereas 90% of current leaders thought that they were already delivering on that social purpose, only 20% of the future leaders thought that they were delivering. So there's a higher expectation of the younger generation of leaders coming through. I think there's a spirit of innovation that comes with that. If you look at some of the leaders that we, we really respect and celebrate today, you know, they are people that are showing that having a social or an environmental purpose doesn't have to be separate from the business purpose. Elon Musk is an example um, with Tesla Motors and PayPal and so on. So I think the secret really is to focus on those leaders that get that this is not a trade-off, but this is the way to create a prosperous business in the future. Yeah, that mindset is critical as we shift uh, towards a more sustainable movement. You talked about the top half of the show. There's some very exciting innovation driving this. And as a result of this movement, uh, talk about that a bit. What are some of the things we should be looking forward to? I mean, I think this move towards sustainability yields tremendous opportunity for innovation. And, and it's actually quite exciting. Exactly. You know, as soon as you set a problem in front of business that has to be solved, then the creativity kicks in and the entrepreneurial spirit kicks in. And there are so many examples now. I was just reading this morning, one of the X Prizes has just been awarded. It was the one for the ocean. Uh, the X Prize is a, a fund of money that gets put, put out there for people to compete to come up with solutions. And this particular one was for better ways to measure ocean acidification, one of the effects of climate change. But the broader picture there is we know from the scientists that we have to get to 80 or 90 percent less carbon in our economy by 2050. So that's a given. That's not going to change. If anything, uh, the, the number is going to go up. And so what we're seeing is massive breakthroughs across the spectrum of what we might call climate change mitigation technologies or low carbon technologies. And they come in lots of different forms. In fact, the patent filings on climate change mitigation technologies are growing much faster than other technologies, 24% over the last five years compared to just 6% on average for the rest. So some specific examples could be what we're seeing with solar panels. There's some technology that came out of Stanford University recently, peel and stick solar panels. So you can imagine now you've got just like a label, you peel it and you stick it onto whatever device you need. We've got transparent solar panels that uh, look just like a glass, a pane of glass. We've got people who are figuring out how to close the loop on production, what we call the circular economy. There's a company called MBA Polymers that has now got the technology to take in electronic and motor vehicle plastic waste and without a single human hand touching it, to turn it back into pellets of plastic that can go straight back into production. Wow. Lavazza, the global coffee company of been doing a bit of work with them, and they're just about to introduce a compostable coffee capsule. So, you know, there are just all kinds of innovation that's coming through. And, and often it's 
it is from those future leaders. You know, we've got the Dutch uh, youngster, uh, Boyan Slat, uh, uh, who's just, uh, Boyan Slat has just come up with this ocean cleanup array to clean up the plastic in the ocean. From my home sort of area, there's a guy called Siabu Lela Pusa, and he's a, now at 19 a NASA-decorated rocket scientist. He is sort of reinvented rocket fuel, and now he's working on solar technologies. So, you know, I could mention many, many examples, but the creativity now is fantastic. Yeah, well, you're right. This is, <laughs> this is truly exciting and some amazing things going on. And I agree with you. I think this younger generation of leadership, they were born thinking about this way of life and the importance of sustainability. My generation has, has had to come to understand it. So ah, that's very, very exciting. You talk about transparency. I mean, I think I could define transparency and I understand it, but how is it re relevant to sustainability? Well, what we've we've learned over the last uh, couple of decades is that transparency, especially through reporting, is prerequisite to improving our decision making and improving the performance of companies. And part of that is coming with the revolutions in technology and the growth of crowdsourcing and of social media. That forces companies in a way to be more accountable to the public, to what we would call stakeholders. So it's no longer companies choosing whether or not to communicate, but in fact, they have to be engaging. And, you know, where they do have negative impacts, those get exposed far more quickly now. But likewise, where they can demonstrate that they're being progressive, uh, that can be of benefit to them. And so we see the best of companies Patagonia is an example, which is probably familiar to your audience, you know, where they look at the full life cycle impact of their products and say, how much, for example, does this organic cotton pair of jeans generate in waste? How much carbon is generated? How much water is used? How far does it travel to get to me? So it just allows customers to start also making better choices between the products that they are buying. Got it. Okay. And you mentioned future fitness at the top half of the show. I think that's critically important here. Walk us through what that, what you mean by that, what that is, because I think that's key to this. Well, it's fitness in two senses. One, we want businesses, but we also want communities and cities and countries that fit into the future, like a puzzle piece might fit into a jigsaw. So, you know, you have to make sure constantly that you're the right shape for the future. But secondly, you need to be agile, so fitness in the sense of being adaptable and flexible, because we know that the future also happens to us. We don't always have control unless you can be very resilient. You're not likely to survive and thrive. So future fitness really is about that ability to respond, to create a better future. And there are five tests or five areas. I mean, basically what I found is what we can all agree on is that we want a future that is safe, that is smart in the sense of connected and, and educated. We want a future that is sustainable, that is shared, so more equitably distributed, and that is satisfying, personally satisfying to us in terms of human well-being. So if you start with what people can agree on as the vision, I find it's far more useful and you can work backwards and then say, well, how do we get there? And our, our companies and our products and our governments delivering against those aspirations. Wayne, I, you know, think about the book further, the title, Sustainable Frontiers. What do you mean by that? 
Well, the concept of frontiers is very interesting, isn't it? If, if I mention that, probably some people will think of the wild western frontier, and perhaps other people will think of space, the final frontier. And strangely enough, these things are connected. There was an economist called Kenneth Boulding in the 1960s who wrote about the cowboy economy. He said we were living as if there were no frontiers or as if we had limitless open plains and resources. And in fact, what we need to do is move to a spaceship economy where we realize that resources are limited and that we have to endlessly recycle things. So in fact, this idea of frontiers is very much linked to the idea of sustainability. And I believe uh, that sustainability is the new frontier. It's the new pioneering space where we need to solve difficult problems and create a future that's better for us. Uh-huh. Sustainability is the new frontier. I, I love it. Well, Wayne, I hate to say it. We are about out of time. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? And more importantly, where can they get their hands on the copy of the book, Sustainable Frontiers? The best place to go is uh, sustainablefrontiers.net. There's lots of information there about the book and some free samples, as well as many reviews that have been done and how, how they could actually purchase a copy. To get hold of me, uh, Probably the easiest is via my website, uh, waynevisser.com. Wayne Visser, director of Kaleidoscope Futures and the author of the new book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership, and Innovation. Wayne, grateful for your important work. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks very much. All right. Well, that wraps this broadcast. Again, on behalf of my guest, Wayne Visser, I am Todd Schneck. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Intrepid Business.